grab a seat, grab your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 7, and we're also going to be in Matthew chapter 1. You kind of put your finger in both spots, Isaiah chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 1. Um, and we're starting this new sermon series. Uh, and and I, I, I'm, you know, I think the reality is, or my hope uh, in all of this is that you would be encouraged uh, during this time uh, with this sermon series called The Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. And I, I think it's a, a beautiful story. It's an awesome story. It's a powerful story. It's a story that in the, the midst of everything else that is going on in our world right now speaks of a simplicity uh, it speaks of majesty, it speaks of hope, it speaks of power, it speaks of authority, it speaks of kingdom, and uh, I would say even dominance and things like that with Jesus coming. So oftentimes what is known as this meek, mild child, a matter of fact, honestly, sometimes we sing some of our hymns with this idea that Jesus came in meekness uh, while being true is also that he came with great power and great authority. In the midst of being a child, Jesus, as a child, was still God. And so these are the hopes, this is the, the promise, this is the future, this is what we get to look forward to, and at the same time, it is a story that I think will speak great volumes and great encouragement to us. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I like to say this, we, we tend to look, and I'm all for celebrating Christmas in the right and appropriate times, in other words, after Thanksgiving is good. Before Thanksgiving, not so much. Um, you know, I, I know I know some radio stations that start playing Christmas music in November. I think it's wrong. <laughs> now, hear me out. I don't mind Christmas music, uh, and I'm not a Scrooge like Johnny. Um, <laughs> okay, as he waves his hat back there and says that. Uh, but I want you to understand this is this is a time I love. I love Christmas. There, there's something to be said about Christmas time with lights. I think people's attitudes change, which I wish people's attitudes were better the whole year. There seems to be more excitement and, and more mercy and grace, at times more giving, um, and that somehow follows up Black Friday, which thankfully most stores were closed on Black Friday, it seemed like, and shopping was done online. Um, but I didn't see the crazy videos this year of people fighting over a TV, um, and maybe it happened. Maybe I just have been clueless at what's going on, but I stand by this. Christmas is still the most wonderful time of the year. And I, I think back when we, we lived in uh, Springfield, because Christmas time would come up and Silver Dollar City would be advertising for going down and doing the Christmas lights. Anybody been to Silver Dollar City at Christmas time? If you have not gone, you've got to take a weekend and take your family down there. That's all I can tell you, because it is phenomenal. As a matter of fact, you'll get on the train. You cannot go to Silver Dollar City without getting on the train. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You get on the train, you ride the train to the backside where they tell, they tell the story of the, the nativity, the, the, the birth of Jesus. And it's, it's just a phenomenal thing. It's a great time for you to go. But the reason why I bring that up is every Christmas, we would start seeing advertisements for Silver Dollar City and stuff. And the song, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, would come on with Andy Williams in this commercial on TV. And so to me, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. But listen, in the midst of the upheaval and the crisis, the confusion and chaos, the difficulties, the problems, the fears, comes the message of Christmas with all of its hope, with all of its goodwill, with all of its cheer. And I believe wholeheartedly that the message of Christmas has been terribly misapplied. 
and misunderstood for years in this world. As a matter of fact, some think of Christmas as shopping, gifts, business profits, toys, trees, and celebration with family. Matter of fact, I even think about this when we talk about upheaval and crisis. You may or may not, depending on where you're at and where you're feeling with this whole COVID thing, you may or may not be celebrating Christmas with family. And I know while some people say, well, that's crazy, that's nuts, I want you to think about this. There are some who didn't celebrate Thanksgiving as a result of the pandemic, and likewise, this could be that. So in the midst of Christmas being about those types of things, we see the crisis and the confusion and chaos in which Jesus wants to speak into our lives and give us hope, this this whole idea. Why? Because it's the most wonderful time of the year, while others... Think of that. Some think of stars in the sky and Bethlehem and shepherds and wise men and angels and a manger. Maybe you have the manger scene at home, but I want you to think about this. I believe wholeheartedly that many ask the question, where is this Prince of Peace when the world is in such turmoil? As a matter of fact, as we sit around and look at everything that's going on in the crisis of our culture, Jesus spoke into the crisis of culture at his birth. Jesus speaks into the crisis of culture or spoke into the crisis of culture that was going on in the Middle Ages, in the Dark Ages, during the Reformation, during the Vietnam War, in the Civil War, during the South of the Korean War. He's speaking into the very confusion and chaos and the difficulties that we face even today. So where is this Prince of Peace? This Prince of Peace is right in front of us. It's right before us. But for most people, we miss out because we're looking for the answer and everything else. See, the true Christmas message announces, listen, the entrance of God into human history. All right? The true Christmas message announces this entrance of God in man or in man form into true human history. And so it's important for us to understand that. It is God becoming man, God announcing hope and joy to the world of hopelessness, despair, and frustration. So if you have your Bibles, flip to Matthew chapter one, and then we're gonna jump again, like I said, to Isaiah chapter seven. Matthew chapter one, look at verse 23, and it says this. I would actually start in verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now keep that in mind because we have to understand the true meaning of Christmas when we get to there and it's understanding it in light of the prophecy of what God said would happen in the future or or in the past, sorry. If you flip again to Isaiah chapter seven, starting in verse 14, it says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, right? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So the Christmas message, I believe, can be summed up in three words. The cradle, which we all know wasn't a cradle when we look at the biblical version, so it's not like you're going home and you're walking the cradle, all right? Is a manger, okay? So it's the cradle, the cross, 
and the crown. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at each individual one. We're going to look at the cradle today, what it means that God is with us. Next week, we're going to look at the cross. As a matter of fact, I want to prepare you because next week, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. It's going to be unique and different. We've got everything is prepackaged. So when you come into the service next week, we'll have a table set out there with everything that's going to be needed for you. You can carry it to your seat. We will do the Lord's Supper together during the service. So don't open it at that point, okay? But we will have it. We're going to do the Lord's Supper. This will be the first time we've done the Lord's Supper, honestly, since March. And that, to a certain extent, is a problem. But at the same time, we weren't doing it because of what we would classify as safety things at that point. We didn't know. So, and then the next week, we're going to look at the crown. We're going to look at God's authority, God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign over the kingdom that he wants to establish or has established. And so it's important that we do this. And as we look at this, that we dig in and we can understand the cradle, the cross, and the crown. So here's my big statement today. If you remember anything else, I want you to remember this, that the cradle is the beginning of the greatest truth. Matter of fact, if you remember anything on that part, I just want you to remember this. The cradle is just the beginning of the greatest truth about God. That's the greatest truth that you can understand, that it began in a cradle who loved us so much that he became one of us, all right? And here's, here's, here's what blows my mind, and here's what we really have to begin to understand. Not only did he become one of us, in other words, he laid everything aside, like Philippians chapter 2 says, he lays it aside, he becomes one of us, but in the midst of becoming one of us, he in his Godhead dies on the cross and rises again. So in the midst of becoming one of us, he goes through every difficulty, every struggle, every pain, all the chaos, all the confusion, all the struggles, all the trials, all the temptations. And yet he was perfect. There was no sin in him. He goes to the cross and he rises again. So the cradle is the beginning of the greatest truth about God who loved us so much that he became one of us. So here's, I wanna see two things. We're gonna look at two things today that I think are important for us to understand so that we can understand the meaning of Christmas. Number one is this. The son, Jesus, is given to us and is God with us. Do you get that picture? I want you you to understand. The son is given to us. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter one, as I flip over there, I wanna remind you of what he's saying because we have to begin to see that this is exactly what he's meaning. He says in verse 22, and this took place to fulfill what the prophet said about, or what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and listen, and it says this, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The son is given to us. In other words, God saw fit to meet the need that we didn't see we needed at this point in time or at that point in time. God saw fit to give us a gift that we didn't think we needed at that point in time. As a matter of fact, when people ask the question, where is this so-called Prince of Peace? This Prince of Peace is still here. The Prince of Peace is still offering peace. The true adamant desire of God is that you would have peace with God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, because without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you do not have a relationship with God the Father. Therefore, you are not at peace, but rather war with God. Now, this is where most people go, well, wait a second here. You're telling me that God is at war with me? As a result of the sin in our lives, yes, you stand in 
against God and his desires. You stand against God and his work. You stand against God in the very nature of what he wants. You are unrighteous and unholy, whereas he is righteous and holy. So Jesus is the gift, listen to me, that we all need. You ever got a gift that you never wanted? As a matter of fact, if you got married, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I'm not, I'm not, don't, that sounds bad. Right? Y'all laugh and you're like, wait a second, what are you talking about? I'm talking about when you got a gift from somebody at your wedding and you're like, how do I re-gift this? Right? I'm not talking about your Guys, you go, where are you at? They're like, come on. <laughs> right? I'm talking about, like, I remember we got like 15 picture frames. Like, what do you do with 15 picture frames? You re-gift them. So the next couple that got married, guess what they got? A picture frame. And they probably got 15 of them and they re-gifted and passed it down. But you know what I'm talking about. You ever gotten a gift that you didn't want or didn't desire? Or maybe, maybe it was a gift that somebody was like, hey, look, it's a gift. And you're like, I don't want to open this because I'm not sure what you're giving me. But I want you to understand this whole idea. Jesus is the gift we all need. But listen, some people just don't want to accept it. And I don't understand that reality. I don't understand that truth. Because what we understand based upon scripture, based upon what the Bible says, is that the son is given to us. He is a gift that he is freely giving to us. God the Father saw fit to give us his son so that we can have a relationship with the Father through the son, that we can talk with the Father through the son, that we can relate to him in all of those ways, shapes, or forms. And yet sometimes we choose not to accept the gift, which is in reality a rejection of the peace that God offers. So the son is given to us. So listen, He's looked at by so many as a nuisance or a problem, but maybe that maybe this gift isn't real when the truth is that the gift is all you need, that Jesus is all you need. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving in the words of, you know, the Christmas vacation. Well, Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but no, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He gives us everything we need. And so when we talk about this idea of peace, when we talk about this idea of hope, when we talk about this idea of of moving forward and being the man that God called me to be so that I can lead my family, that Jesus gives me everything that I need to accomplish that. Then when I I want to uh, see my friends come to Jesus, guess what? Jesus gives me everything I need to accomplish that. Why? Because it's through the power of the Spirit that he works. So the son is given to us to accomplish great things. Christmas is not a myth, nor just a tradition or a dream, but it's a glorious reality that all of us can experience. And what we're reminded of every year is just the simple fact that the son is a gift to us. And listen, it is God with us. The gift is just simply that God is with us. As a matter of fact, John 1 verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's the greatest hope. That's the greatest gift. That's the promised difference. See, think about this. What a difference the baby born in a major, Jesus, made over 2,000 years ago. Think about it. 
the education systems that he has inspired. Do you realize that a majority of U.S. colleges at the beginning were founded on biblical Christian principles? They've all since walked away from it. A majority of them. They deny it. Matter of fact, I mean, heck, you go to Texas Christian University, they, they'll tell you, don't call us Texas Christian anymore. We're TCU. It's like they're trying to take this Christian out of it. Go back and look at the history of the old school education systems and the colleges when they were founded. And they were founded on biblical Christian principles to educate people. Yeah, in the regular everyday things of life, but also in biblical teaching to ground our lives in this. Matter of fact, to give you an idea, the cradle, the cross, and the crown sermon series idea, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, that'd be kind of a cool idea. I started looking it up. Billy Graham, matter of fact, I would, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's about a 20-minute long sermon that he got to give to the White House, I believe, when Eisenhower was president. And it's recorded. It's just sound recorded. And I listened to it the other day and I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh. I thought I was unique. The cradle, the cross, and the crown. Yep, nope. <laughs> You're old, dude. Like Billy Graham came out with that like 50-something years ago. <laughs> you know, there's nothing new under the sun. But listen, the sun is given to us. So you think about this, the education systems. Think about the social reforms. Think about the hospitals that were created as a result of, listen, wanting to meet people's medical needs around the world. All of that takes place as a result of the gift of Jesus Christ given to us because God is with us. That's the promised hope. The cradle is the beginning of the greatest truth. And listen to me, while we look at it as the beginning, it's not the end. Why? Because God continues to write the story of each and every individual here. And he wants to write your story through the greatest truth ever revealed in Jesus Christ. And he wants to change the story if you're heading in the wrong direction. That's where people can look back and go, I don't like what's going on. Guess what? You can change your story by acknowledging the gift of Jesus that the son is given to me, to us. And that is God with us. So when Jesus came, he's offering us a changed life. So the son is given to us and is God with us. That's number one. Number two, listen, and I think it's important for us to understand this, that Jesus brings with him all that we need. All that we need. He's the answer to every problem. He is the one that overcomes every difficulty. He is the drug to our addiction. He is the very thing that meets every need. He brings comfort and counseling when we are in tough times and difficult situations. And listen, since you and I know that he understands us, that we can boldly approach him with great confidence and with great grace to be comforted by him. See, here's one of the greatest things that I think we could begin to understand. When Jesus brings with him all we need, that's literally what we mean. It's all you need. You know, in the midst of everything that's gone on, whether we want to talk about, you know, we've talked about all year, the COVID issue and things like that, we have had more struggle, more fear, more chaos, 
more turmoil. Suicides have gone through the roof. Depression's at an all-time high. Some people don't have jobs. Other people seem to be working like crazy. All of this stuff ends up being a problem, but Jesus brings with us all that we need. Jesus brings with him, listen, the full authority and power of God, yet he is 100% human to relate to, to understand, to acknowledge how we feel, to see and know what we have faced and how we can face it. And listen to me, he did it all in his perfection, without sin. And he relates to us and he knows it. And so listen, no matter what you've gone through over this last year, the cradle, listen, is the beginning of the greatest truth about God. That he loved us so much that he became one of us. Now listen, there's a uniqueness there. Because while he became one of us, he was still God, completely separate from us. So listen, as a result, because all authority was given to him, to this child who would become the eternal king, listen, we have access to all his power. And while you might sit back and go, well, what, what good does that do? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not God, I'm not Jesus. No, you're not. But Jesus did promise that we would go out with his power and with his authority And so in the midst of your trying, confusing, chaotic, and oftentimes crazy lives, that the power and authority of God is in you through the power of his spirit, through the power of his son and what he wants to accomplish. He wants to do great things in all of our lives, in our lives and through our lives. And so when I talk about this story not being over, that the story is continuing to be written, that God wants to do great things. So listen, in the midst of all of that that has gone on, we have two options. That is, we freeze in fear and we stop the presses and the story's no longer written. Or we move forward by faith, we let God continue to write the story and we walk in obedience to him. Those are the two options we got as believers. And here, I I brought this up in in, in our Bible study class a couple weeks ago. Here is what I want to challenge us to be. Because this is just a drop in the bucket. I believe this wholeheartedly. That when true persecution would rise up against the church, because this is not persecution at all, that people have run and fled and walked away in, in, in fear at times from the church and from believers. That when true persecution comes, that there is going to be a separation of the wheat and the tares. And listen to me, when that persecution comes, Jesus is still all we need. That regardless of what you face, Jesus is all you need. That regardless of your financial situations, Jesus is all you need. Regardless of your addictions, Jesus is all you need. You don't need that other junk. Regardless of what you face, Jesus is all you need. And that's what he brings to us. And so I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 7. And I want you to think about this. He says, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We just stress that. But then jump to Isaiah chapter 9. 
Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse six, six says this, for to us, to us, that's the gift, for unto us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. There's the gift part. The son is given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. And then that's what he says. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. All of this in this section, we're gonna jump in and unpack even more and more as the weeks go on. But I want you to understand this. Listen to what he talks about. He talks about this. He's, he's, what is he? He's the wonderful counselor. We talk about suicide and depression, anxiety, worry, fear. All of those things have gone through the roof. Guess who your counselor is? Your wonderful counselor is Jesus. That in the midst of everything that you face, he can counsel you. A matter of fact, did you know that the Holy Spirit is also called the comforter? That in the midst of a loss, a trial, a difficulty, a trying time, a depressing time, guess who your counselor and comforter are? He is. And the hope is this, listen to me. If I put my hope in a person, a counselor, okay, another person, when that person doesn't speak biblical wisdom into my life, but speaks some other wisdom into my life, some other story into my life, I might become reliant upon that individual rather than Jesus. Now, listen to me. I'm not telling you not to go and seek counseling because I think there are times and places and situations and needs for that. Please hear me out on that. But I want you to understand this, that the counselor that will never let you down, the wonderful counselor, is Jesus. He would be called wonderful counselor. Listen to what he says again. So in other words, he's gonna do great things in our lives, in us and through us. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. Here's the power we're talking about, that he wants to unleash the power. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 20, it says, all authority has been given to me on heaven or, or in heaven and on earth. And as a result of that, I'm telling you, go and make disciples. Whose authority do we go out on? The government's? Jesus' authority. When the government says you can't go, what do you tell the government to take? A flying leap, a hike, take a nosedive off the greatest, I don't know, I'm just, <laughs> Right? There are times and places that you would not listen to the government when they tell you you can't do certain things. So all authority comes from God, not from the government. As a matter of fact, the government has been given authority by God, that God allows governors and rulers to rise into power and to fall, that God keeps people in certain places and positions and allows others to, to go away. But listen to me, we have to understand that all the authority is God's and God's alone. Listen to what he says next. He is the everlasting father. As a matter of fact, if you were to translate it out, it would literally mean this. He's the father of eternity. It's not just the fact that he's a father forever, but no, he is the father of eternity. 
In other words, he is over all things. He is the father of time and eternity. He's the architect of the ages. He's the father, if you can think about this, in the Old Testament and even throughout Scripture, when you had a father or the patriarch of the family or, or of a nation, it was the one who was there to protect and to provide for his children. But Jesus, or God, is the father of all nations. He is the everlasting father, the father of eternity, the architect of the ages. He is the king who will be the protector and provider for his people for eternity. Do you hear the promise that's wrapped up in the simple gift given to us through Jesus? Everlasting father. Now, oftentimes we put that into this. Oh, well, my dad's already my father. No, father of eternity the provider for everything from here on out. That your dad and my dad, while on earth, could provide for us earthly ways, God provides for us through himself in every way that we need. He is the everlasting father. And then the last thing we always kind of focus on when people say, hey, where is this prince of peace? He is the prince of peace. Of peace. And here's what I want you to understand. Since the fall of man, sin was passed down generation to generation to generation. And as a result of sin, every man faces what? Death. And so Jesus, here he comes along, born in a manger in this cradle, this very simple not very elegant thing that anybody who would expect the king would expect the king to come with great pomp and circumstance. Instead, there was great neglect. There were only a few who sought him out. But this prince of peace is this idea that he makes peace for every generation through his blood. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter five, verse 10 says this, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Here is the Prince of Peace aspect that is being played out here. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through the Prince of Peace to God the Father so that now we're no longer enemies, but rather we're gonna be sons or co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you see the promised hope with what Jesus When Jesus comes in this simple form of a cradle or in the simple form of a baby in the cradle, there's great hope with this. Jesus comes to be our Prince of Peace and listen, to pay the price that we could not pay in the very form of a child. And listen to me, not only is he our Prince of Peace, but he gives us peace with God through his own shed blood on the cross. Which if you can prepare your hearts just a little bit and think about this next week, that's what we're gonna be talking about is the cross. The crown or the cradle, the cross and the crown. Romans chapter five, verse one says this, since we have been justified through faith, we have, listen, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace because he gives us peace with God through himself, through Jesus, through his shed blood on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God through Jesus. See, the baby in a manger, listen, grows up to be our crucified and risen Savior, and the world has never been the same. 
And while the world has never been the same, the world is the same and because it's asking the same things. Where's this Prince of Peace? Why the confusion and chaos? I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I don't need any of that in my life. And when Christmas becomes about everything else other than Jesus, we miss out on the greatest story ever told. We miss out on the greatest gift ever given. We miss out that the fact that the cradle is the beginning of the greatest truth about God. If Christ had not come to our world, our world would be hopeless. If Jesus had not come to our world, our world would be lost and trapped in darkness. If Jesus did not come to our world, we would have struggles with depression and suicide that would far exceed the numbers that we already see. And I believe the reason we see the increased numbers in depression and suicide is because we're not running to the Prince of Peace, but we're rather running to all of man's different teachings and ideas. That, that, that life is all about the money you make. That life is about finding certain satisfaction in different things rather than in God. And as a result, we struggle because all of those things fail us. Without Jesus, and I, I please, I, I, I hope that you could just begin to wrap your mind around this. Without Jesus, there would be no access to God. You and I would not be able to talk or pray or have access to him. There would be no atonement for sin. There would be no savior. There would be no forgiveness. There would be no grace. There would be no mercy. Without Jesus, there is none of that. Why? Because God is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is vengeful. He carries wrath. But because of Jesus, you don't face those things when you have a relationship with him. That is the promise, that Jesus brings all we need. And so when Christ came into the world as a baby, he came into the world to make the world a better place. And I believe wholeheartedly that he will do the same for you if you open your life up to him. Listen, we go back to that statement. The cradle is the beginning of the greatest truth about God, that he loved us so much that he became one of us. The question is, will you become one of his? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Or are you looking for peace in everything else? Because when you look at peace or look for peace in everything else, those are when failures come. That is when inadequacy comes. That's when depression seeks in. That's when confusion and chaos becomes to be the main point. That's when fear sets in rather than faith. That's when we stop doing what we're supposed to do and just say, I gotta protect myself. COVID is nothing new under the sun. This has happened before in history. This has happened before in plagues and different things like that. There's nothing new about it. God's not surprised by it. God has everything in control. We can take precautions and be smart. So I'm not talking about being stupid, all right? But we can't let fear dictate what goes on. We have to understand that God has these things in control, that God is going to work in us and through us. And that, listen, you and I, 
we're but a vapor and a mist. And that my life, regardless of what happens, should be lived for the glory of Jesus and no one else. And if it costs me my life, it costs me my life. Because I believe wholeheartedly that when the true persecution comes, when the true difficulties rise up against the church in America, then we can start talking about those difficulties. But right now, right now we just got to walk by faith. So my question today is this. Have you, have you given Jesus room in your life? Have you asked him to come in and do the same, to open up your life to him? Have you turned everything over to him? Have you asked for his peace? Are you allowing him to be the father of eternity for you? Do you let or seek the counsel from him? Because listen to me, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he's not your wonderful counselor. He's not your everlasting father. He's not your mighty God, even though he is still mighty and will leash out. He's not the authority and power that you can have access to, and he's not your prince of peace. But if you make Jesus, if you open up your life to him, he is all of those things to you. And remember, that's just the beginning of the truth about God. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you and acknowledge you for who you are, that you are a gift given to us, that you are our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father. You are God with us. And as you are with us, you are our prince of peace. And so Lord, maybe there's somebody today, it might be online, it may be here in the church that would say, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. God, I pray for that individual right now that you give them boldness to reach out. If it's online, they could contact us. They could make a comment on our, on our post. If it's someone here, they could seek me out here at the end of the service. But Lord, help us walk in obedience to you. God, that we would be a people who we know our stories are not over, that you continue to write them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.